So welcome. Um, we are continuing our, our series, our Christmas series called Worth the Wait. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. Um, Luke chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, um, we have some on the back table that you're welcome to. Um, you can also, there's going to be the scripture up on the screen that we'll be using as well. Um, and so I don't know about you, but I, I'm terrible at waiting. Um, anybody else terrible at waiting, hate waiting, right? Right? Like we live in Amazon Prime culture, um, microwave culture, right? Where, where if it's not here in two days or less, then we're mad. Um, and so, so we, this is the culture we live in, and, and, and waiting can be extremely hard. Um, I, I, like, like, like I'm really bad at it. Um, like it is, um, th- there's only been a handful of years in the, in the years Kayla and I have been married where I have actually made it to Christmas to give her her present. Um, I just, I'm excited I, and I just don't want to wait um, any longer. And so it's usually I'm giving it to her before uh, Christmas ever even happens. But don't worry, this year I'm holding strong. Um, and so we, um, but we don't like waiting. Um, waiting can be hard for, for so, so many of us. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes, and for some of us, I, I think we've been waiting, uh, maybe even for a long time, for, for not something trivial, but something significant. Um, may, maybe, maybe for some of you, you you've been out of work. Um, maybe you've been underemployed. Um, and you, uh, it, it just feels like God isn't showing up. Um, maybe for others of you, um, you've watched a, a, as a loved one has spiraled uh, downward into a destructive addiction. Um, you've done all you think you can do, and you've just cried out to God, but, but it feels like he's not showing up. Maybe for others of you, you you've suffered some sort of physical ailment for uh, a period of time. Maybe it's a, 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 an emotional or mental um, thing as well, and, and you, you're long for relief, but God just doesn't seem to be showing up. And we could go down the list, and all of us have different things, and, and we've been in different seasons where we have been waiting, and it just feels like God isn't there. It just feels like God isn't there. Waiting is really difficult. It's, it's challenging. And, and, and simultaneously, though, when, when, we, when we look through uh, biblical history and, 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 we look, uh, and we look at uh, historical um, people from the Bible, we know that God's people are a people of waiting. We, we know that God's people are a people of waiting Moses waited over 40 years um, before, he, uh, before he received his call to go and free the people. Joseph waited 13 years um, a- after he becomes uh, ruler over Egypt. Noah waited 120 years before God did what he promised. Abraham waited 25 years. David waited 12 years. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was someone who waited. The woman at the well was waiting for Jesus. Mary and Martha waited. The woman caught in adultery waited. Waiting has always been part of the story of God's people. It's always been part of the story. And, and for, for, for many of us, we, we, are, uh, we find ourselves now in a season of waiting, and it's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, we're, we're, we're struggling with that. And so for, for, for many of us, Christmas is a reminder. Christmas can serve as a reminder that, that there is hope in the waiting. That, that there is hope in the waiting. 
That, that, that we can live in this tension of the already we have these promises of God, but we have not yet fully experienced them. It's, it's not about escaping to a far-off kingdom. It's a, Christmas is about a kingdom that is drawing near. And so here's what I want to do today, okay? Last week we talked about um, the, 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 really the, the, the backdrop of Christmas and how if we miss the backdrop of Christmas, the, the, the full story leading up to uh, the baby in a manger. We can't start Christmas with a baby in a manger. We have to go all the way back to Genesis to see the, the full scope of all that was happening at Christmas. And so that's what we did last week. But, but today... I want to shift gears a little bit, and, and, and I just want to ask the question, how do we wait well as God's people? How do we wait well as God's people? If God's people are a people in waiting, um, how, do we, how, do we, how do we wait well? And how do we believe, and here's the main point for today, how do we believe that God is at work in the waiting? How do we believe that God is at work in the waiting? And so I, I want to look at a guy named Simeon today and, and, and how he waited. And as we look at this today, I think there's some things that we can learn about as we wait in our own seasons. And so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, here's what it says. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was, a righteous and dev- he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And as he took the child in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Jesus, we thank you for today. Um, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you that, that we can learn from, from godly um, men and women um, like, like Simeon. Uh, I, I, think, I thank you that we can learn from, from them as we are a people of waiting, as, as we um, experience the tension um, in our hearts and in our minds of, of the already but not yet. Jesus, I, I, I just... My, I can't help but think, and my, my heart uh, is, is just heavy this morning in, in terms of uh, Christmas is, is, is filled with so much joy and laughter in so many ways, and yet I know that so many, because of the loss of loved ones, um, because of things going on in their lives, that this season is not a season of joy right now, um, that, that, they, that they are mourning the loss of, of those that we're in their family last year and have, have gone to be with you. And so I just, I just pray, Lord, in a, in just in a special way, Lord, that, that you would comfort those hearts today. Lord, that, that, that they would remember that, that we weep, but we weep as those that have hope in you. 
And so, Jesus, I just pray that you'd comfort them and be with them in a special way today. I pray, Lord, that over the next few minutes as we walk through this, that, that you would challenge our hearts, that your spirit would, would lead us deeper into relationship with you. Jesus, we need you. I pray that you would be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we, we see here um, this guy named Simeon, right? Um, and so, so I want to just, just pull, put, uh, put, throw some things out there for you here. As we walked through this passage here, uh, how Simeon waited. And, and the first thing I think we have to note here is in verse 25, um, that, that we look at Simeon's character, okay? We look at Simeon's character. It says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, he was righteous and devout, which means that, that, that when, it comes to, when it came to uh, uh, following the Lord, when it came to walking with God, he was all in. He was totally committed. He was saying, okay, hey, I, whatever it is, I'm all in here. I'm all in. And so this, this leads us to, to the first observation of how we wait. Okay? We wait one step at a time. Okay? We wait one step at a time. We remain devoted to following Jesus in the waiting. We, 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 we take the, the, the next right step in front of us. We, 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 we say, okay, Jesus, I don't understand all that you are doing. I don't understand why this isn't going the way I thought it would go and the way I hoped it would go, but, but I am going to lean into you during this. I'm going to just simply say, okay, I trust you for the next step. I trust you in the next step. I don't see five steps ahead. I don't see um, the, the full picture of all the, that, that is being played out, but I trust that you are good and you want what is best for me, and so I'm going to take the next right step in front of me. And we, 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 we wait like Simeon. We are fully devoted to the person of Jesus in the waiting. We, we fully devote ourselves to the person of Jesus in the waiting. Well, so, so what does this look like? Okay, well, Romans 15, 4, this is what Paul says. He says, such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So, so what, what does this look like? How do we take that next right step? Well, we immerse ourselves in God's word, okay? We, we immerse ourselves in God's word to show us, okay, one, I got to be reminded of what the promises of God are in the scriptures. Um, there are lots of them. I encourage you to go find some and claim them and hold on to them. And we immerse ourselves in God's word so that we know what the next right step is, like, like sometimes I, I think we think about what God, we, like I, I've just been around a lot of people who wrestle with what God's will is for their life. And, and that's a good thing to wrestle with and that's a good thing to pursue the Lord in. But what we know, what we know about God's will is that he's revealed a lot of his will to us in his word. He's revealed how we should live our lives in his word. And so, so we come back to his word over and over and over again and we continue to, to pursue him through his word. Through his word. And so, so but it, it is God's word that reminds us um, how to wait. It is God's word that gives us hope and encouragement while we wait patiently for his promises to be fulfilled. The people of God are always immersed in the word of God while we wait. And we pray the word over and over and over again. 
Like, like I, I, I'm just convinced that oftentimes our prayers are, um, we, we, seem, we seem to go back to the same uh, language in our prayers over and over again, right? Like when we're praying at dinner, like my, my kids all basically pray very similar things because they've heard me and Kayla pray those things over and over again. Um, but, but when we're in the waiting, I, I think it's so important that we learn to pray the promises of God. That we learn to, to pray God's word back to him. That we pray God's word back to him. And this leads us to uh, really our, our next point. Our next point has how we look at Simeon, how he waited. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. So he was eagerly waiting. And so the second way that we wait is we wait like a kid on Christmas Eve waiting for Christmas morning. We, we eagerly wait like a kid on Christmas Eve waiting for Christmas morning. My kids threaten every single year that they're not going to go to sleep and catch Santa. Okay, that just, it happens every year, and they fail every year. Um, he's, he's doing well. Um, and, and so, and, but, but this is, this is how we wait. We wait with eager expectation that God is going to do what he's going to do. As a parent, I have learned over the years that um, if, you're, if, you, if you're going to do something um, as a family, if, you, if you're going to take your kids to do something, you don't tell them you're going to do it until right before you do it. Um, I've, just, I've just learned that um, because when you tell your kids you're going to go do something, they are going to ask you when you're going to do that until you go and do that. Like, like, so, so it's like if you're going to go get ice cream, you don't tell them you're going to go get ice cream until you're in the parking lot of the ice cream shop. Because right, if you tell them before that, they're going to remind you over and over again about it. They are eager and they are expectant of whatever you have promised them. And in the same way, this is how the children of God should be when it comes to waiting. We should be eager and we should be expectant, like a kid longing for Christmas morning. And we remind God of what he has promised us over and over and over again. We say, God, this is what you say in your word. And, I, and I'm holding fast to that and I'm clinging to that. And I believe that you are able to do it. And I, and I trust that you are going to do it in your good time. But I'm praying that you will come soon. I'm praying, Lord, that this will happen, that this will take place. And we remind God of the things he's promised us over and over and over again. And we pursue him in his promises that we find in his word. We wait with eager expectation. We wait with eager expectation. There is no doubt here that Simeon has been waiting a long time for, for, this, uh, for, for this day, for these promises to be fulfilled. Um, we, we don't know exactly how long it's been that he's had this promise, but, but we, we expect that it's been a, 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 at least a couple of years, right? Two or three years at, at minimum. And so, so he has been waiting. And no doubt, no doubt the people around Simeon probably thought he was crazy. Probably thought he was foolish. They, they, they hadn't heard from a prophet in, in over 400 years in Israel why, why, would, why would all of a sudden God make a promise to a guy like this? And they probably thought he was crazy. And here's the reality. Whenever you're in a season of waiting and you're holding on to the hope that God has given us in his word, the promises of God, can I just tell you, some people around you might think you're crazy. But they haven't 
They haven't seen what you've seen. They haven't experienced what you've experienced. And they don't have the hope that you have in the Lord. And so you can continue to pursue the Lord in the waiting with eagerness and expectation, taking the next right step in front of you, believing that God has not abandoned you, that he has not left you, that he is for you, that he is with you. When Kayla and I were getting uh, married, um, we dated for four months, we got engaged, um, and when we got engaged, I'm just telling you, I wasn't like I told you, I was I'm not good at waiting, right? And so I remember I went to the store, I picked up her engagement ring, it was in my pocket. We were at her house decorating for Christmas. And and I just I couldn't like it was burning a hole in my pocket. I had no time to put a clever plan together like some of you did. Right? Like there's like and so so what I did was um, back in the day we had digital cameras. Um, and so we set the timer on her digital camera right after we finished decorating a tree. And as um, we were t- posing to take a picture by the tree before the camera went off, I dropped down on one knee and I proposed. Okay? It's great. Um, and take notes, guys, that single. Um, but, 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 and so, so I had this, this moment where, where I just, it was in my pocket. I had to get it out, right? I had to get it to her. We get engaged and then, and then there's a six month process, the engagement season where we are waiting to tie the knot. We're waiting to get married. And let me just tell you, as I, I, I was so excited during that time. I was so excited to, to finally be married to Kayla. I was, I, was, I was longing for that day. I was looking forward to that day. But let me tell you how I, how, how I didn't wait during that time. I, I, I wasn't unfaithful to her during that time. That, that would have ruined the, what I was waiting for, right? Like, I, I wasn't unfaithful to her during that waiting. I, I, I was eager and I was excited about it. I was looking forward to it. And I, and I helped where she asked me to help, and I stayed away where she asked me to stay away. Um, and, and, and there was this whole six-month process where I was excited, and we were both looking forward to the day where we got to begin, move into the same house and do life together. And this is how we wait as the people of God. Like, 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 like a fiancé waiting for their wedding day. And it's, it's eagerness, it's expectation, it's, it's faithfulness, it's devotion to your spouse. Because this is a, a thing that we have been longing for, we've been looking forward to. And we're excited about what it's going to be like. And this is how we find ourselves waiting. This is how Simeon waited. This is how the people of God wait. When we're in seasons where it seems like God is not showing up the way we thought he would show up. When, when we're in seasons where, 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 where things are not going the way we hoped they would go. And we wait with faithfulness. We wait with eagerness and expectation. And so how does Simeon, however long he had to wait, however many months, however many years it took, how did he continue to wait? How did he not, how, how did he wait with eagerness how did he keep up the expectation? How, how did he um, continue to, to, to be devoted to the Lord in everything? And, 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 here's, and, and so here's what I want to do for the next little bit. If you have your Bibles, you can keep your finger here, um, but, but we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 40, okay? So I, I just want to show us something in Isaiah chapter 40, okay? Because I think that this is important. Um, because one of the things that I think is so important for us to do is oftentimes I think for us in our lives, 
it's easy to lose sight of the grandeur and greatness of our God. It's easy for us to be small-minded. And so over and over, if you hang out with us here at Grace Hills anytime over the next 50 years, and as long as God allows me to be here, right, um, like, like here's what I promise we're going to do. We're going to go back to the greatness of God over and over and over again because if we don't have an idea of who God is in his greatness, then, we, then we, we don't have a God worth worshiping. So we have to remember who God is, and I believe that this is how Simeon kept up the eagerness, kept up the expectation, kept up the faithfulness, kept following and devoted to the Lord as he reminded himself over and over and over again of the grandeur and greatness of God. And so this is what I want us to do today, because I, want to remind, I just want to remind us of who our God is and who is in control and how we can wait for him with endurance and patience and eagerness and expectation. So Isaiah chapter 40 is going to help us do that today. So <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> starting in verse 12, here's what it says. It says, um, speaking of God, <clears throat> Isaiah is going to ask some rhetorical questions, okay, um, uh, to help us think of how great our God is. He says, who has held the ocean in his hand? Okay, who has held the oceans in his hand? Now, um, let, let's stop right there for a second because um, this week I was trying to think, okay, the hollow of my hand, I can hold uh, a tablespoon or two of water, okay? Like I, I could scoop and I can hold about a tablespoon, maybe two of water before it starts spilling over in my hand. But God is not like that. God is not like us in that way. It's, Isaiah is saying essentially that God can hold all the waters of the ocean in the hollow of his hand. That, that, that all the waters of the earth fit in his hand. That this is how, how grand and great our God is. We know that the earth is um, around two-thirds covered with water, um, in some places at least six miles deep. And if we were to try and figure out the measurement of in gallons, it would be a number that would be beyond our comprehension. And yet what Isaiah is saying, that as massive as that number in gallons would be, that God holds it all in the hollow of his hand. That this is the grandeur and greatness of our God. That this is who he is. Look at with me as he continues on here. He says, who has measured off the heavens with his fingers, with the breadth of his hand? Okay, we, we know um, that the breadth of the hand was, it was a standard way of measuring things in biblical times. So the breadth of the hand would be if you were to take your hand and let's do this, let's all do it together, right? Let's hold our hand up, spread our fingers out, right? So, so the breadth of the hand would be from the tip of the pinky to the tip of the thumb. Um, it's, not a, it's not a universal way to measure anything, but that's how they did stuff back then, okay? Um, and, and here's what Isaiah is saying, though, that when it comes to the vastness of the universe, the, the vastness of outer space, that God measures it off with the breadth of his hands. That, that we, here's what, here's what we know, okay? Then we, 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 we can't, even, we haven't even discovered most of the universe. We, we, we don't know um, how, how far everything is, but, but here's just to put this into perspective for you a little bit. We know that other than the sun, the nearest star is four and a half light years away, which, which means which means if, if light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second, the nearest star is over 26 trillion miles away. 26 trillion miles away, and that's just to the nearest star. 
The distance across the entire universe is incomprehensible for us to imagine. And yet God measures it off with the breadth of his hand. The smallness of these two measures, the hollow of the hand, the breadth of the human hand, is intended to show us the immensity of God himself who can deal with the massive things in the universe as we might deal with the most normal, trivial things in everyday life. To go further, Job tells us that we have only seen the outer fringes of what God has done, that we've only heard a whisper, that we've only scratched the surface, that truly our God is awesome, that his greatness is unimaginable. Look what he says next. He says, who else knows the weight of the earth or who has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? That our God, he, he, he weighs the, 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 the mountains. Uh, we, we live in the Rocky Mountains. We, we get mountains, right? I mean, you may not get space. You may not get ocean. But we get mountains here. And God measures them on a scale as if he was measuring produce at the grocery store. Behold the greatness of our God. The, the vastness of who he is. Verse 13 and 14 says this. It says, who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? And so here's what we know. We, know, we believe that God knows everything. That, 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 that he knows it all. That, that, that he knows every language that has ever been spoken. He, ha- he knows every word in every book of every language ever written. That God knows everything. That God knows everything, and yet we sometimes think that in our short time in existence that we have the ability to counsel how God governs the universe. That the that we, we can govern how God governs the universe. It's, it's like this, okay? So uh, last, not last summer, but two summers ago, um, we were traveling around doing some different things. And uh, my, my kids um, are, are sinners. Um, and uh, that's okay. We're praying for them. But uh, that they, uh, they, they, would, they would be in the back seat and, and they would say, Dad, do you know where you're going and I would say, yeah, I'm on this road, and we're going to take a left up here and then go down the road there. And they're like, I think you're lost. I think you're about to get a spanking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, but they would begin to question if I knew where I was going. I'm like, listen, I got it on my phone. I know it. I got it. How did we ever do life before that? You can't even tie your own shoes and you're going to give me directions? But, but surely, when we begin to try and counsel how God governs the universe, surely we seem like the kid in the back seat who can barely, barely has to sit in a, in a booster seat. Like you, you wouldn't even be able to touch the pedals and steer the wheel at the same time and see the road ahead. And so when we try and tell God how to govern the universe, surely we're like the five-year-old in the backseat trying to tell dad that he's lost. That this is surely what we must seem like. Like, like this is what it has to do. do. 
Like, like, there's, like God has revealed some of his will to us. He, he's revealed some of his character and nature to us. He has revealed some of it, but never so much that we could ever counsel him. Like, like there's never going to be this point in history where we can go, hey, God, um, I, I see what's going on over here. And have you ever thought about doing it this way? And have God go, well, holy me, thank you. Thank you for that. What would the, what I was, the whole universe was about to fall apart without your advice. Thank you for that. Praise me. Like that, 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 that's just not going to happen. Nobody gets to counsel God. Nobody gets to give God advice. Nobody gets to straighten God's path. No one, because God knows everything, and he stands outside of time and space, and he can look at it all from beginning to end, and he knows how it all plays out, and he knows how life works best. And so, so we, can, we can just trust, okay, God, I, I don't fully grasp my own life and my own shortcomings and my own failures, but I trust that you do, and so I want to follow you. I want to take the next right step. I want to go the way you've told me to go. I want to pursue your ways in every way because you know it all. And I trust that you are that great, that you are that grand, that you are worthy of my adherence in everything. Because I believe you're a good father who knows how to give good gifts and he wants what's best for his kids. That this is, this is the God of the Bible. And we, we can pursue him, and we can trust him, and we can go his way. Because he stands sovereign over it all. This is what, this is what Simeon is, is saying, right? Like, like, no doubt Simeon was, was so, like, can you imagine the enthusiasm Simeon had that day at the temple? Can you imagine what that moment was, was like for him? Look, look with me back in Luke chapter 2 for a second. Keep your finger here because we're going to come back to Isaiah 40 in just a second. Um, but but, but here's, 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 here's one of the most powerful parts of this passage, I think. Verse 28. It says, Simeon was there. Simeon was there. Simeon was there when the promise that God had given him was fulfilled. Simeon was present. Do you think Simeon would have been there if he would have given up hope that God was going to fulfill his promise? Do you think Simeon would have been there to experience the presence of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, if he would have, if he would have stopped pursuing the Lord, if he would have stopped walking with the Lord? No, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. If he would, do you think Simeon would have been there if he would have lost the scope and magnitude of the God who had promised him such a great promise? No. Simeon was there when God fulfilled his promise. He was there because he believed in the greatness and grandeur and, and awesomeness of God, that he was sovereign, will was over it all. And I, here's the thing, I, I don't know what you find yourself in the waiting for right now. I, I don't know what your life circumstances are right now. I don't know where you feel like God has maybe left you or maybe he's, he's not showing up like you thought he would show up. Maybe it's, maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with something I don't know. But will we continue to take the next right step? Will we continue to wait with eagerness and expectation? Because 
Because our hope is ultimately not in ourselves. Our hope is not ultimately in, in, in anything that we can put together or muster or anything that we can do. Our hope is in the grandeur and greatness of our sovereign God of the universe who is a good father who loves his kids. Will our hope be in him? That at the end of the day, that as followers of Jesus, we have hope in the waiting. That we have hope in the waiting. That, that, that we look forward to what God is going to do. We can long for that and we can move forward to that. Because of who our God is, not because of who we are. Not because of the strength of our faith, but because of the God who has given us that faith. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we can have within us. It's about the God who made the promise. And when God makes a promise, we can take it to the bank. He's going to do it. Now, it may not happen in the way we think it should happen or the time that we should think it should happen, but we can trust that God is going to do what is best. And so we have hope in the waiting. We have hope in the waiting. So, so several years ago, um, our, our, our youngest is a son, and his name's Judah, and, and I think some, a lot of you probably know this, but, but we adopted him from India, um, and, and, and as we um, were in that process, so, so we, Kayla and I were about a year and a half into marriage, and, and we felt like God just placed it on our heart, hey, I want you to pursue international adoption. Um, that, that, was the, that was what was given to us. That, that, that's what we felt like God said, hey, I, I have a son for you, but he's not here. Um, he's, he's overseas. And so we began the adoption process. Um, and we began it in Ethiopia. Um, we began to try and adopt from Ethiopia. And, 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 we, and they, they told us when we started it was going to be 12 to 18 months um, from the time we uh, filled out all the paperwork to the time we would have a son home. And we thought, great, this sounds great. So we, we begin this process, and we begin working through it, and we begin per, pursuing the Lord, trusting, okay, God, you've given us this promise. But, but sure enough, uh, 12 months go by, and, and we, we, we get a phone call, and we get an update that says, hey, um, Ethiopia has delayed, has delayed their adoption process. You're, you're looking at uh, another 12 to 18 months, even after you submit your paperwork. It's, it's going to be longer. And this happens four times. Uh, so, so eventually, um, we, we are in this process of waiting for our son to come home for four years in Ethiopia. Now, God was gracious, and, and he was loving, and he gave us two beautiful little girls in that waiting process. But, but we still felt like God had placed it on our heart to pursue adoption, to pursue uh, th this little boy. That, that We didn't know who he was yet, but we knew that God um, had given us the name Judah, and we were pursuing that. And so we were, we were walking through that process for four years. And, um, it, and then it finally came to this point at, at the year four-ish mark that we get the phone call that Ethiopia has decided for governmental reasons to close international adoption. And, and let me just tell you that, that there was a lot of pain in that phone call for us. Um, there, there was a lot of... Uh, there was just a lot of grief and, and, and frustration and anger. And it's like, okay, God, what, what are you doing? You, you told us to pursue this. You told us to, to go um, down this road, and we have been faithful for four years to pursue the path that you've called us to go down. We, we've, we've been faithful to do what you have laid in front of us and walk this path. And now you're telling us that we don't get to do it? 
What's up with that, God? Like, 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 we were, we were, like, like, there was frustration and anger. And then a few days later, we get a call from our agency and said, hey, we think you need to move to uh, trying to adopt from India. And we we're like, honestly, okay, but we we're very reluctant in it at first. It's like, we don't know anything about India. We, 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 don't, we don't know um, what that process is going to be like. You're telling us 12 to 18 months, and we've heard that for, that for, for the last four years. But we began to say, okay, God, maybe this is the, the, the way you're leading us to go. And so we began to walk down that path. And then over and over and over again, God answers prayer. Like, like just side note, adoption international costs money, okay? Um, and, and we were out almost $20,000 when they closed international adoption. Like, it was just gone. And, and God as we switched to India, he provided through friends, through family, and through grants every single penny it would cost to adopt Judah. Over $30,000. So I would just, this is just a side note. We are pro-adoption here. Um, we, we, we love kids. Um, and, and, and so if you if don't let cost be a reason you don't adopt, we'll, we'll help. We'll navigate that. Come talk to me. We'll help you figure that out. Side note, nothing to do with the waiting story, but, um, but, but this, is, this is the path we went on. And, and a little over a, 10 months later, after we made that switch, um, we were able to bring our son Judah home, and we finally were able to, to experience. Let me tell you what, there was such incredible joy the moment that they walked our son down the stairs at the orphanage and placed him in our arms. Five, it, it had been five years at that point of waiting, Five years of pursuing the Lord. Five years of trusting that God knows better than us. Are there frustrations in the waiting? Absolutely. Were, were, there, were there painful moments in the waiting? For sure. But we continued to believe that what God had laid on our hearts, God was going to do. That God was going to provide. That God was in control that none of it caught him off guard. None of it surprised him. Because here's, here's, the, here's the final truth. That often what God does in us as we wait is often much more important than what we're actually waiting for. The, the, the faith that God grew in our hearts for him. Now, let me, my son is super important, so I'm not saying my son's not important. But what God did in, in, in my, me and Kayla's heart, what he did um, in growing our faith during that season of waiting is something that we could never have done on our own. But oftentimes what God is doing in our season of waiting is much more powerful than what we're actually waiting for. So, Isaiah 40, I want to close with this. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 31, I want to leave you with this today. It says, but those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. If you're, if you're in this room and, and you would you would just say, hey, I, I'm in a season of waiting. Um, maybe, it, maybe it's a season of painful waiting. Maybe it's a, a season of, of you don't understand what God is doing. You, you don't understand why he's not answering your prayers. You don't understand why things aren't working out the way you thought they should work out, why things aren't going the way you want them to go. And, you would, and you're discouraged. 
Maybe you're lonely. You're frustrated. And you're just wondering, why God? If that's you today, I just want to encourage you that there is hope in the waiting. That what God is wanting to do in you during this season is powerful. It's incredible. Trust that our God has got it in his hands. Trust, trust that he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. That the God who began this good work will be faithful to complete it. Hold on to the promises of God. Immerse your mind. Immerse yourself in God's word. Immerse yourself in prayer. Pursue the Lord in the season of waiting. Wait with eagerness and expectation that he can do it. That he's, he's over it all. He's not a small, puny God. He's he's grand and great and sovereign over everything. Trust him in it. And so if that's you today, and you say, hey, I'm I'm in a season of waiting, and I'm discouraged. I just just want somebody to pray. Pray for me. Nobody looking around but me. Would you just put your hand up in the air? I'm not going to come to you. You're just in a season of waiting. You just want prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. I see it. Yeah. thank you for Christmas. We thank you that Christmas is a reminder that while we may be in a season of waiting, you always fulfill your promises. You always do what you say you're going to do. You've never left us hanging. You've you've never abandoned us. You, You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. to feel the things we feel. You know what it is to be, to be waiting. When you came and you put a skin and bone on and you put flesh on, Jesus, you became the God who is with us and can relate to us in all of the good things in life and all of the hard things in life. You know what it's like to lose a family member. You know what it's like to lose a friend. You know what it's like to be betrayed. You know what it's like to experience grief and sorrow. You know what it's like to be discouraged. And yet, you are with us. May our hope be in you in the season of waiting. I pray for those that raised their hand and those that didn't, that are in a season of waiting, that are in a season of challenge, that you would comfort them in a special way today that you would remind them that you have not left them, that you have not abandoned them, that you have not forsaken them, that you are for them and you are with them. I pray, Lord, and I ask that we would remember your grandeur, your greatness, and your power in mind and work on our behalf. That Christmas would be a reminder for us that we may be waiting, but we wait with hope. you today. We need you this week. We love you and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.